Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 145, verses 3 through 20. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All you have made, all you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. This is the word of the Lord. Today, in Pastor Eric's absence, we welcome Mr. Earl Fleming to the pulpit. Am I on, Robert? Richard? Sorry. Good morning. So, Laura said I'm filling in for Pastor Eric. I'm Earl Fleming, if you don't know me. Um, God is so good. Um, you might be thinking, what's the title? God is good and we are not. Well, duh, right? God is God and we are not. May, $4,500 of damage to our van. May, Caleb dislocates shoulder, tearing his labrum, chipping bone, missing the end of baseball season. June, AJ breaks his arm, missing most of baseball season. Caleb dislocates his shoulder again, chipping more bone, injuring it further. July, Joy's engine overheats in her car and blows the head gaskets and cracks the head. A week later, Han Hannah's engine overheats, blows the head gasket. This is still July. Faith, Faith's car is totaled. Praise God she's safe. July. Faith cuts her finger on mission trip <laughs> so badly and gets kind of affected she almost loses the end of her finger. I have to maybe see a plastic surgeon to see about saving it. Still July, we had to put our dog Molly down. August, purchased a car to replace one of the other broken down cars, which has a litany of problems and experiences several issues with that one. September, the week of the anniversary of Emily. You would think that week should be easy, right? Outdoor spigot leaks. 
Someone dented my car in a grocery store parking lot. Home air conditioner breaks down, needs repair. Joy falls at school, hitting her head on a park bench and knocks herself out, gives herself a concussion. And then just this week, I was thinking as I was writing this, oh God, God, I don't want any more material. I'm good with material. Just this week, Caleb's power window in his, in his car uh, stops working, and of course it's stuck down, which, which is perfect. But I think sometimes when these things happen, we do need to remember that God is God, right? And we are not. And there are certain things about God that we, we need to remember. These things do pale in comparison, obviously, to tragedies, things that are permanent and lasting. And obviously with tragedies that we've experienced in this church and what me and my family have experienced personally, um, you would think these things would be easy, but they're not. Life is just not easy. When all these things happen, especially when it seems to be all at once, um, I think if these things would have happened over a four-year period, I got it. We'll take it. But having it all at once, you start to wonder, okay, what's going on? Uh, How much does God think I can handle? But that's the point. We can't handle any of it. Only God can. In fact, we must remember, again, that God is God and we are not. But let's, let's look and see who God is. Who is God, and where is he during all these things, um, tragedies included? You know, after someone's gone, and especially if they've been gone for generations and they're still being talked about, all we have to remember about that person is what someone says about that person, right? Or what someone has written about them, and now we're reading about it later. Um, And depending on how great that person was, um, there might be a lot said. And if that person was unbelievably great and awesome, what is said about them transcends generations, right? Um, Let's see how good God is, right? Let's see how great God was. So the first point is God is good. And I think we need to remember that when we have tragedies and we have things that happen like this, that, that he's good. And where do we see good? Well, it's all around us. I mean, we woke up this morning to sunshine. Yeah, it was 40 something degrees, but sunshine, the beautiful uh, fall, the crops in the field, um, the light and the warmth in the sun, trees, food, crops, things that grow under that sun, the rain and the bodies of water, the things that that, um, feed those things and water those things. Laughter is good. You ever, when you just laugh, you just, laughter is good. The love we have for each other is good. The love we have for our family is good. The things God gives us the talent and the passion to create, like art, machinery, games, sports, all that's good. But let's see what the, let's see what the Word says about how good God is. You know, the passage this morning was long. I apologize, Dolores. Um, but there's a lot of good points in there and a lot of good statements about who God is, and I tried to underline some of them here. Uh, but Psalm 145.8, the Lord is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. 145.9, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. 145.13, the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Psalm 145.14, the Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. 145.15, the eyes look to 
all the eyes all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. 145.16, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. 145.18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And finally, 145.20, the Lord watches all over all who love him. So God is good. I mean, this is a psalm talking about how good God is, and the Bible does transcend, transcend generations. God has talked about, Jesus has talked about as a great God. We have to remember that when things happen like this. And, you know, by a, I could take a show of hands in here. Who's had bad things happen to them? Who's had bad things happen to them repeatedly? We would all raise our hands, right? Um, and the Word says that these things will happen because not all things in life are good, right? So God is good, but not all things in life are good. In fact, the, world, the Word says we will have troubles. We will not you might it's not you know if you do something wrong you'll have troubles it's you will have troubles no matter how you're living so we shouldn't be surprised when they happen and what do we do then well that's when we need to know that that god is there for us so the second attribute of god is he is there um in john 16:33, jesus said in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world so there, Jesus says it himself. You, you're going to have trouble. Um, but, but some things can make us forget about the, quote, good about God, right? And God knows that about us. He knows that when things happen like this repeatedly and things start to, to drag you down, that he knows that we will doubt. And that's when he's just there. K- Kayla is the most... Don't cry. I'm not going to cry. Kayla is the strongest, sweetest, softest, most stable person I know. And at about the sixth or seventh thing that happened this summer, we called it the Summer of Job. That was our nickname for it. Um, Started to see some crumbling, right? So even in the strongest of Christians, we can tend to doubt and realize, okay, where is God in this? I mean, why is this happening? Um, So that's when he's just there to support us. In John uh, 14, 15 through 18, Jesus promised help through the Holy Spirit. He says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. For he lives with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as an orphan, and I will come to you. So he is there. He sends help. If you want to see him, he is there. If you want to hear him, he is there. If you want to know that he is there, you have to, you have, you have to go find that. In fact, um, Psalm 146 is called one of the hallelujahs psalms because God is awesome and mighty and deserves our praise. So what we read this morning, that is just, it's called one of the hallelujah psalms. You know, just to back up, preparing for this message you wonder okay god this has to be your word it has to be timely it has to be this isn't something that you know that god laid upon my heart four years ago and it's it's still got to be fresh now and as i'm listening to sunday school and brian's treading upon some of the message and then i listen to the song that we sang in the beginning i'm like okay that's right with my message and then the uh prayer confession 
I mean, just right along with the message. And that's, that's when you just know the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit's been in this. He's in it. Everything you're going through right now, if you trust him, he is in it. Um, Psalm 146, verse 3 and 5 through 9, says, Do not put your trust in princes, in human th- beings who cannot save. Blessed are those who, whose help is the God of Jacob, whose, help, excuse me, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in him. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. You see, we, we have to look to God for help. When these things happen... And we just talked about it in Sunday school this morning, and I know a small group we've talked about it. You know, we're human beings, and sometimes the last thing we do is go to God when we fail, and we can't do it anymore. And then we cry to God. But the first thing we should do, Psalm says, do not trust in princes. Don't trust in the government. Don't trust in human beings. They will fail you, but look to God. We must look to God for our help. If we trust other things to help us, they will not last. Instead, trust the God who is the maker of heaven and earth. And oh yeah, that God, he is faithful forever, it says. Faithful forever. But what if it feels like God isn't hearing or answering? You're doing all the right things. You have sought God. Um, You feel like you know he's there, you know he's good. But what if it feels like he just isn't answering? Well, that's when we must remember all the deeds that he's done before, right? We must remember all the times he's been there for you in the past. We must remember all the times maybe you've seen him be in somebody else's life in the past. And we have to cling on to those things. You have to with all your might. Let's read Psalm 77 and unpack this a little bit, verses 1 through 20. Psalm 77 says, I cry out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. And here's where it turns around for this person. I remember my songs in the night. My heart meditated, and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, this I will appeal. To the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, remembered all those things that from before, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. And this is where he remembers the Exodus, the parting of the Red Sea, right? The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths convulsed. The clouds poured down water. 
the heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. And those seas parted, right? Throughout the entire Bible, throughout every generation, every story that's in the Bible, it's all about redemption. It's all about troubles and redemption. What God did in redemption. But it was all about the people. We just talked about this morning. Why were the Israelites on, in exile? Because they didn't seek God first. And when they finally sought God first is when they were brought to the promised land. Or how about when David was hiding and running for his life because everyone, and I mean everyone, including his own son, was trying to kill him. We read here, it says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. How many times have we been in the situations where we feel like it's hopeless? Even David's people were telling him, as, as mighty as David was, you can't get out of this one, David. But David says, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I called out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. See, David leaned on God, and he knew that he could sleep because he knew God would be there. I mean, if you're running from all your enemies, including your son, and they're all chasing you, how could you sleep? But he did. Um, I, I heard, saw, and felt God so clearly after Emily died. Because I, because I chose not to run and hide. I chose, David chose to trust God so he could sleep. Instead, I clung on to the promises of before. I clung on to the promise that he's near the brokenhearted. Sleeping and eating afterwards would have been absolutely impossible without him being there. Kayla saw it. The testimony is real. I have a cross next to my bed. It's on the wall. And uh, the pain was so intense all the time that I just asked God, just put me to sleep. Just put me to sleep. I just need to go to sleep, God. And every time he answered. And um, because I chose not to run and hide. Um, I wouldn't be standing right here. <laughs> without seeking God first and knowing that he is there and having the promises. You see, it's, it's when our lives are a mess. <laughs> it's when our lives are a mess that he sends the message through the lighthouse, leading us to safety. Isn't that what a lighthouse is for? To lead that boat to safety because it's lost. We and our family were lost. We were out in the middle of the bay <laughs> in a storm, deep fog, dense dark, and we were lost, and we needed a lighthouse. We have to look for that lighthouse. You can't just sit out there in the storm. Um, but there's one verse that's been a lighthouse to Kayla and I. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. And we talked about it a little bit this morning in uh, Sunday school. And it's, uh, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, 
plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to me. Or then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you ask me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That verse gets thrown around a lot, and it gets talked about for a, a sense of hope. Um, and, it, and it looks like it's a one-way street there, that it's God gives hope, right? We always use that verse to maybe give somebody hope. But you see, it's God who wants us to seek him. And then once we seek him, then he always plans to restore us. He never plans for destruction in our lives. He plans to restore us. But as you read that verse again, we have to take the action. It's us that needs to seek him. We need to know the truth. He says, then (laughs) you will call on me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me if you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So we have to seek. He can be found. He didn't move. Throughout all these tragedies, through everything that's happened to everyone in this church, including our family, throughout this summer of Job that I'm talking about, God didn't move. He didn't go anywhere. He's God, and we are not. It's up to us to find him. It is what we do. It is us that needs to find him. And then, and only then, will we have a hope and a future. And ultimately, really this comes down to that God loves us, and he wants the best for us. And when these tragedies happen, you wonder, and I'll still never have an answer, and I'll try not to wonder. Um, But we are his children, right? So the last point is, you know, that God is love. So God is good. God is there. And sometimes we just have to know that he just loves us. Think, think of someone you love right now. Uh, think of someone you love with all your heart. And for you parents, pretend that it's your children, okay? <laughs> and if you don't have children or you didn't have children, then maybe think of a, a, ne- a niece or a nephew that you love or a grand dog or something, whatever, whatever is the affection of your hearts. Now, because you love that person, and think about that person, do we give them everything they need? Or excuse me, do we give them everything they want? Just messed up my whole sermon there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> do, do we give them everything they want? No. Or do, do we make everything super easy for them? Do we want everything to be super easy for them? We might, but we know it's not best for them. We love them enough to know what is best for them is to work hard and to learn that not everything is just handed to them. We want them to be stronger in life later. So we let some things happen. We let them have some challenges, right? Uh, we, ultimately, we don't want them to be spoiled and unappreciative. Just, just like we as parents or guardians say sometimes, because I said so. You know, that's like the ultimate ending to our argument when the kids are smarter than you are, which I've got a few of those in my house, Um, debaters, future attorneys, future prosecutors, um, where I'm just like, because I said so, right? Um, God knows what he's doing. I feel like he's up there sometimes just saying, because I said so, because God is God again. 
But how we learn, right, is through understanding. And to understand and appreciate something, sometimes you have to understand and learn what is the opposite of that thing, right? So, in fact, everything has converse sides to it, which helps you understand that thing more. Like darkness. Without darkness, you would not appreciate the light. And you would waste your time during the day. So if there was never a night, you'd waste your time all day long because you know, oh, I got all day. Because day doesn't end. So you'd waste your time during the day because you wouldn't be worried about the daylight ending. And then because of that, we actually come to appreciate the dark because the darkness is what gets us out of the fields, you know, home for the day and, and gives us a break and able to take a break from working and to be able to rest. The same goes for hot. If it was always hot all the time, you wouldn't even know what cold is. You wouldn't appreciate the cool, the cold. Although Kayla, <laughs> she sees no purpose in the cold whatsoever. There is no purpose in cold in her life. There is, uh, it's cold all the time. Um, but that's how it is. We don't understand and appreciate things until we don't have those, or we know the converse, or the opposite thing. So we must remember that God, through all this, has always demonstrated his love for us. In Luke 22, the Last Supper, uh, he says, and it says here, and he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But it, just, it isn't just through Jesus that God has demonstrated his love for us, right? I mean, from Genesis to Noah's Ark to Joseph, you know, a bunch of other people in between. Um, and then ultimately through Jesus, God has always shown his love for us. The scriptures this morning, all of our lessons you think about as a child, all the Sunday school lessons you, you hear now and the devotions, all of it is stories about what he's done for us. But through that love, things were not easy. Look at the Israelites. Look at Noah's Ark. Look at Moses. Things are not always easy, again, because we are his children. And he wants us to not just be happy, but to be holy. And he wants us to be strong to be able to endure these trials. He knows what's best for us. And even when our decisions or the decisions of others affect our lives negatively, that's when, that's, that's when we have to trust that he knows the end of the story. He sees way ahead. Again, God is God, and we are not. We can't see the end of the story. In John 14, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If, if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a room and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. God is not going to bring anything into your life and leave you there. As long as you trust him says it right here. Don't be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. 
why would I go do that if there isn't a place for me to go to? Why would I do that if I'm, I'm not coming back for you someday? But it's important to remember that love is and ho- always has been a two-way street. Just think about those the children that we talked about earlier and maybe the nieces and nephews. You know, which one of us wants the person we love with all of our hearts to not love us back? I mean, it's, it's always been a two-way street. You love somebody, you want them to love you back. But you can't force that person to love you, can you? And then it wouldn't be love. That's slavery. <laughs> or imprisonment. You can't force anybody to love you. So what do we do? We give them freedom. And sometimes that freedom allows them to do things that do not show their love for us, just like we do to God. And this is, this is how it is with God. He desires and wants our love. But he cannot force you to love him. God couldn't force me to seek him during our tragedy. He wanted me to. He was hoping I would. But he couldn't make me. But, but if you don't know God as your Father or Jesus as your Savior, then all of this is just, is just knowledge. And knowing something doesn't apply it to your life, does it? Just because you know something doesn't mean you're living it, doesn't apply it to your life. But living it does. So when these trials happen like this, when you've got the summer of Job, when you've got lost loved ones, when you've got what seems to be insurmountable mountains ahead of you, and you don't understand what's going on. You have to live the principles that has been embedded in your heart, in your, in your mind, the knowledge. And, and really, you have to know God is God. And you're not. And you have to know that, that he is there. Um, Second Corinthians says, in 4.18, says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is, un, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, uh, <laughs> Kayla and I were just talking about this a couple nights ago. Why is it that this life seems so long? I, I'll admit, um, bef- before Emily died, you ha- have this selfish desire to, okay, Jesus, don't come back until the kids get married. Or, you know, maybe grandkids. You know, can I just have my life? Let's have my perfect little life now. And then, and then when they, all that happens, then you can come, Jesus. And I've never understood that verse so well until after Emily died where it says, even so, come Lord Jesus. But we have to fix our eyes on what is unseen. This life is short. It is temporary. It seems so long, but it's not. Um, <laughs> Kayla's awesome, because I said, you know, this life seems so long, but so how, really, how long is eternity? I mean, if this is, if this is our blink of an eye, and it's so short of a life, then how long is eternity? And just a deadpan answer, Kayla says, forever? It's a long time. Well, thanks. That was a lot of wisdom and knowledge there, but 
I mean, it really, so it really must be a long time, right? So we have to fix our eyes on that in the midst of all these trials, in the midst of all these troubles, that this is just a blink of an eye, that one day God is going to come back. One day we are going to see him again. One day we are going to see those that are ahead again, and it's going to be forever that we get to see them. One final thought in Matthew chapter 7. Again, one of those verses that we've read a lot. Jesus says in 7, 13 through 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I've heard this verse a hundred times. You guys probably have too. And I think this verse is not just talking about the gate being narrow because of the traps of sin. And maybe, you know, staying sinless and spotless and righteous before the Lord. And that's how you get to enter that gate. I think it also means that we have to endure these trials. You can fall away from your faith and your foundation through a trial probably easier than you can a sin. Because you're shocked. Your world is rocked to the core. And maybe just that depression, the sadness, just literally like a slow fade we talked about in Sunday school, just starts to make you, okay, I'm I'm here with God, and this thing happens, and boy, I I just don't know, God. Why did this happen? And, you know, I stopped going to church. And I'm not going to sing in my car anymore because I can't, I, I can't sing without crying. Which was certainly the case for months and months and months. And that hurts too much to pray. Literally, probably six months ago was the first time I was able to pray without crying. And, uh, you know, I, I just, the people at church really aren't supporting me anymore. You know, and pretty soon, this is where you're at. So I don't think that verse is just meant to talk about sin. I think that verse is talking about the trials of this life, that the way is narrow. How many people can withstand a tragedy like this and keep strong in their faith? Unfortunately, I've seen others not, and I'm thankful and I praise God every day because it was not me. Absolutely was not me. In the chapel at that hospital, I fell on my knees, and I laid on my back, and I said, God, God, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you to get through this. There's no way I can do this. And I think this whole message has been about that. That's what we have to do. We have to go to God. Because I'm weak, and I didn't trust myself. So staying strong through the trials by knowing God is good, knowing he is there, and knowing he loves us. Because in Revelations, it reminds us, in Revelations 21, 4 through 7, that he will wipe. Every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying. Or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. 
He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. We must know that God is, is there. So we have to seek God. Our response to all this is to seek God, right? It's the first thing we have to do. To seek the good in him, in all he has made. To know that he is there through all the hills and the valleys. And to know that he loves us by being good and by being there. That has to be our first response. It's like the verse earlier said, don't trust in princes. Don't trust in people. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in these things. It is God that gets us through all these things. The summer of Job seemed like a really stupid thing that we started calling it that. And finally, it took God to lay upon our hearts. It's just money. And whose money is it anyway? It wasn't mine. He didn't give it to me. I mean, he, I didn't earn it. He gave it to me. Um, and I think we just have to seek God first. Matthew 6.33 has always been my life verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and all this righteousness. And I thank God that that's in my verse. I did not know why that that was my life verse until that night at the hospital. You have to seek God first. Because in the end, <coughs> Revelation 21, 4 through 7 says, He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Let's be victorious, everyone. What do you guys think? Let's, let's close in prayer. Father, we uh, thank you so much for this message. I thank you, God, that you are this message, that you put me to the side and just used me as a vessel and as a mouthpiece. I thank you, God, that you are a good God. I thank you, are, thank you, God, that you are there. I thank you that you love us. Lord, I just pray so earnestly that if anybody here, Lord, doesn't know you and they don't have this faith to when the next bad thing happens, Lord, it's going to rock them. I pray that you please just cry out to them now. I pray that they would come talk to anyone after this service, Lord. Talk to any elder or pastor or myself, Lord, that they would not go one more day without you in their life because we know that when things happen, Lord, we have to seek you first. Thank you, Jesus, for being faithful. We love you, and we thank you so much, dear God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.